All right. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of uh, actually a crossover episode. This is actually kind of exciting and something a little different that we're trying. My name is Dominic Mundy. I'm the executive director of the Northeast Spa and Pool Association here with our New Depths podcast. You've heard from us now for about seven months of, of recordings. Uh, one of our great friends and sister organizations, the National Plasters Council, has their own podcast, and that is called Smooth Finish. And They've been actually doing at this for almost a year and a half now. And if you have not listened, um, we're highly encouraging our listeners to check out their podcast and their listeners to check out ours. So today um, we are together to talk about something that's common to both of our organizations, and that is winterization of pools, both from the uh, Finnish perspective. And then also um, we have... uh, somebody from our side talking about um, all aspects, including probably a little bit of chemistry in there. So let me introduce around the room who we have with us. First from NESPA, uh, our board president. Yes. Mr. President Chaz Magardis. Thank you. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, With the NPC and the Smooth Finish podcast, um, why don't I introduce Brent and then you can introduce the rest of your team. Okay, no problem. Hey guys, uh, happy to have everybody here and 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 have a voice with Nespa. Um, uh, I'm Brent Lane from Artistry Mosaics, and uh, we have our normal suspects here, which are Mr. Chris Marcano. Chris, greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. It's Chris with NC Brands Natural Chemistry, and uh, I'm really excited to do part two of the crossover. Uh, podcast edition here where Nespa and the NPC are joining forces. And much like in Ghostbusters, when they warned never to cross the streams, <laughs> we are taking a chance and we are crossing the streams right now. You know, the winterization is the stay puff marshmallow, man, right? Right. And, 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 you're hearing, and you're hearing the sultry voice of Mr. Rob Romano, which I'm not sure if uh, Smooth Finish can claim or New depths. I mean, this guy, this guy is on both sides here. So he is the stream that's crossed. Rob, <laughs> welcome. Always good to be here. Uh, glad to have both hats on this this go around. Uh, looking forward to the show. I'm I'm never not going to be in a room with Rob and not introduce him as the sultry voice of Rob Milano. <laughs> Just so we're clear. Well, well, um, let's. He has fans, okay? We won't talk about it too much on air because I don't want to make that person blush or person, sorry. But yes, he has fans. Don't tell we've, Linda. We've, gotten, we've got fan mail. <laughs> That's when you know you're making it on an industry podcast is when you start getting the fan mail. <laughs> I'm, I'm still looking around my desk looking for mine. It, it's yet yeah. to come. Yeah. So I really far, only one letter, maybe two, but that's, you know. Yeah, I, I want to see the person. I actually want to meet the fan and maybe question, <laughs> question their integrity. Sorry about that, Robbie. <laughs> Remember, so we haven't been on video yet. I think that I think that's your answer, Chaz. Oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> it's all coming together now. Oh. Sorry, Robbie. <laughs> oh. Some people love this. So what do you want to I'm thinking of cold shoulders. Okay. Today we're going to talk about winterization. You know, it's as natural, like the birth and the spring of a pool. It's as natural of a process to eventually put that pool down for the time being in certain parts of the country. 
So what we want to do today is just talk about generally how to best tackle this part of the pool season in the areas that it is required. Uh, kind of chop up some traditional practices. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit with this group collect collectively about the very strange weather phenomenon that that we uh, incurred in, or what occurred down in, in the Texas market with the uh, the freeze and the loss of power and the impact that that had. Uh, because it was disruptive, to say the least. It was impactful to the industry overall. But that all leads up to what I'm most excited about, where our good friend, our partner, Chaz, has a whole new kind of broke the mold, new concept, new way to approach, to think, and to tackle winterizing of a swimming pool. So without further ado, let's get started. And again, Winterizing a pool, you know, I mean, I'm sitting here right outside this window for those that can see me, my pool is going to be winterized in the next two to three weeks. And uh, it's always a, a sad time in the house for my son, you know, but at the same time, I want to make sure it's done correctly. I want to make sure that that everything's done to where there's going to be no damage. I live in an area where we do get hard freezes. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where if it's done, when it's done right, you have all the confidence in the world in the springtime that the opening is going to be very, very seamless. And I always look at it like that. And I'll throw this out to you, Chaz, and, and the group. But I think the actual season starts with the closing, right? You set yourself up for that, that smooth uh, opening um, when you do close properly. Now, what does that mean? We're going to dig into that. But Chaz, what are your feelings when it comes to winterization as, as far as, as uh, a, a necessary uh, task? So, you know, talking about winterizations in general, I think that everything that we do from a service perspective, uh, I, I want to winterize a swimming pool with the opening in mind, right? Trying to do everything so that when we come out to open the pool, everything's in place and everything's easier mm -hmm. for us when we come out to open. And the same thing happens when we open a pool. We're opening the pool because uh, it's the same guys, you know, we're opening and we're closing. Uh, and when we're opening that swimming pool, we want to try to think ahead of what's going to make it easier of a process for us to close the swimming pool as well. So those are definitely something that that we do. But the winterization, putting that pool to bed uh, is interesting because, you know, here we are, uh, you know, just now early stages of fall. And we've been closing, uh, you know, I work for uh, Bud's Pools and Spas. We're in South Jersey, just east of Philadelphia. And as crazy as this may sound, uh, you know, we're in late September and I will tell you that we've been closing swimming pools and winterizing for a month now, which is, which is a hard concept to grasp, but there are people that, you know, once their kids go back to school, they're done with the pool and they put the pool to bed. So uh, we've been closing for, for a good month and, and knowing that how you put that pool to bed, uh, you know, will change, right. And what's going to happen underneath of that cover uh, if you have a mesh cover. Uh, that that's going to potentially change over the course of the wintertime, depending on when you close the pool. Uh, so we find that in, in different things. And there's, there's many different ways and practices of, of closing swimming pools from different covers, whether it's a mesh cover where the water goes through and the sunlight may go through uh, a solid cover, uh, solid safety cover where that's it. You put it on, it's dark, uh, you know, and nothing's getting through there um, to, you know, whether it's a vinyl honor pool or of course, uh, you know, what we're talking the most about here would be a, uh, you know, a plaster pool or, or a concrete swimming pool, uh, you know, and different things that need to happen for for those types of uh, circumstances. So I don't know that there's any one specific thing that you do, except obviously take the water out of the pipes. 
so they don't freeze, but definitely different ways of uh, different ways of handling different different scenarios. And let's not minimize that because we're going to get into that in just a moment of what happens when water remains in pipes when it does freeze, because we just saw that occur in Texas. And it was, as I mentioned before, disastrous to say the least. Sure. Um, yeah. But to your point, Chaz, and, and again, I I have personally, uh, my pool builder closes my pool. Um, I, I, you know, I, being in the industry for 20 some years, sure, I could do it, you know, but do I trust myself? Do I trust myself to have these tried and true practices, techniques, processes in place to do it? I don't because I want to leave that to the pool builder and his crew because I know and I have all the confidence in the world of what a great job they do. But one of the things that I've noticed is their consistency in their process, right? My returns, my plugs, all the things, the small parts that just have a tendency to disappear over the course of the winter are all in the same place in the tote that they left behind when they built the pool and said, put all of this in here. Do not take the lid off. We're going to play. Don't touch this ever. We put the stuff in here, put this away. It's sealed up. And I can tell you everything is in there and it's ready to go for spring. And I've personally seen them open it and it is seamless. Right. And that's, that's the beauty of it. They know what they're doing because in this particular area, I live in the Kansas city market. It gets extremely hot here in the summer and it gets extremely cold here in the winter. It's extreme on both sides, but they know exactly what they're doing and their process is, is tried and true. Right. And it really is. So, um, are there any tips that you would give out there to somebody that's looking to improve or any little, little, you know, above and beyond the basics of winterization, Chaz? So the tips, you know, what you just referred to, uh, you know, we do that with a Ziploc bag, right? Uh, we do take everything that we're taking out of the pool, whether it's the, uh, the escutcheon plates, the ladder bumpers, uh, you know, the, the, the eyeballs for the, for the, whether it's the pool or the spa, Right. Uh, you know, maybe the Polaris fitting, if you're doing Polaris or, you know, a cleaner fitting in the wall, all those pieces need to come out. We do put them in a Ziploc bag uh, so that that's it. It's contained in one area. The tote's a great idea. We actually have a tote that we put out there for construction on the pools that we're building. Um, and we ask the customers, hey, we'd like to keep this. And, you know, that tote, unfortunately, gets <laughs> gets. There's a lot of stuff that that tote collects, but I'm actually thinking maybe we should be painting Bud's pools or maybe we should be painting pool stuff on there. Um, but certainly, you know, that kind of stuff. Everything at the pool, we try and keep in a Ziploc bag. Everything at the equipment, the winterization plugs, the pressure gauges, the sight glasses, you know, all of those little things, you know, we put them back in the pump basket, right? The pump basket's empty. It's drained. Um, and we just know that that's where they're going to be. The valve handles, when you're taking valve handles off, everything's in the pump basket, pretty standard practice for most. Yep. Um, but I just think that's the, you know, it's a little thing, but that's that's really where we want to keep all that stuff. Yeah. And from, from, a, from a service provider, you know, a service company that's out there doing openings and closings, there's no bigger profit killer where it comes to time, you know, a time deadfall hole is when you can't find something that you absolutely need. And it could be as something as simple as a quarter inch drain plug. And if you don't have that exact one right there, if, if somehow it, it it walked away over the course of the winter, that, that job is now significantly delayed and it just throws a wrench into the entire process, you know, that's out there. So the little consistent tips, the discipline um, really do make a big difference when it comes to winterization. One of the um, things that we do, Chris, is we, uh, you know, before we 
we actually do call every customer, uh, send out an email to the customers, and we call every customer the day before we come. Uh, the email gets sent out, but the idea is, hey, we're coming on this day. We call the day before, and we give them an idea where they are in the schedule, right? You know, whether it's one to six, you know, could be morning, could be afternoon, last call, first call, you know, whatever that looks like. People want to know that, but we can't stress enough that we need all of the stuff, right? So, and I can't tell you, uh, and, you know, it takes time to train some of the customers, right? They, you know, we're coming, they put all the lawn furniture away. So all the lawn furniture is in the shed. Well, unfortunately, the cover is now buried in the back of the shed behind all the lawn furniture, yeah, right? Right. So it doesn't take but a couple times uh, just saying, hey, listen, now all the lawn furniture is back out so that we can get to what we need. We need you to, to drag that stuff out. And that plugs, you know, I mean, I just got the phone call yesterday from one of the guys. It's like, you know, we were here. We write down on the opening, folded cover. We actually put folded cover to shallow end rolled toward the house, right? So mm-hmm. when you take it out, now you take it out towards the house and you unroll it away from the house. So then you can, you know, walk it across the pool. But we actually put left, you know, Ziploc bag with plugs here. You understand? Left it on the picnic table, left it on the shelf in the shed. So I know we're, we're kind of just talking about the stupidest thing, but we write it on the paperwork. And guess what? When the guys go out to close the pool, they actually have the opening paperwork there. Um, so they have a copy of the opening paperwork. So they're reading the guys writing uh, right on there. But, you know, it doesn't matter. The customers are going to move that stuff. Uh, right. But it's, it's definitely something that's tedious that you uh, that we definitely try and get ahead of. I think consistency is the key there and consistency with purpose too. You know, I mean that there's, there's, it's all cause and effect. And I think that's a great, great practice. So we mentioned as part of winterization, aside from removing the removable items, the, the bumpers, the discussion plates, the fittings, the drain plugs, the valves, et cetera, et cetera, putting them in a, in an, in an area that's safe, that that's identified, that it's easily accessible for the opening process. I think one, one, one of the, the the techniques or one of the most important tips uh, that that we can discuss or, or tasks that we can discuss is the blowing and clearing of the lines, proper application of antifreeze. Because if this is not done correctly, right? If it's a homeowner that tries to do it themselves, if they're not using, you know, a blower just isn't a blower to clear these lines to move the water with all the complexity complexity of underground plumbing and the the structure of, of the pool itself, you know, you can get sideways with this if you don't know what you're doing. And we saw that devastating effect in Texas with the freeze. So are there any uh, tips or, or are there any tried and true practices you have when it comes to physically removing the water from, from the plumbing system? So I would tell you um, what happens more times than not uh, when something's done incorrectly is is where you see the first problem is above the ground, which is obviously what they saw in Texas, right? Anything that's left in the equipment above the ground is going to shatter uh, and have devastating effects, but that's above the ground. What you don't see is what's underground. So for the freeze to go that deep, uh, certainly it happens in the, in the colder climate. It's probably not going to happen in Texas, but uh, you know, what they saw down there is is getting that cold snap, right? Uh, and, and it happening and everything above ground getting destroyed. Uh, I'm sure to some degree, maybe some stuff underground did, but uh, you know what we generally do uh, at winterization and, and what I'd like to start off with uh, before we start blowing out the pool is, is and it's, it's an extra step in the process, but I take all the drain plugs out of the pump, the filter, the heater, the chlorinator, uh, you know, I take all the drain plugs, all that stuff out, and I and I physically let it drain. And then when I hook the blower up, 
um, we generally blow out from the equipment. So we'll attach onto their pool pump. Uh, and then I actually just start the blower and I, and I actually evacuate all of the equipment area of all the water first, right? So you can do that with a, on a multi-port valve with a sand filter. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but if you put that sand filter on rinse, okay, and you have the blower on top of the pump and everything else is closed, you're forcing all of the water from that filter out the backwash line. Mm -hmm. Open the backwash line up and all the water, right, goes in and out the backwash line. And I let that go. And, and I may let that blower run for five minutes. OK, and I may walk over, pull return plugs or eyeballs out of the pool. And, and all the while, guess what's happening? Everything is dry. Do you understand? I'm getting all the water out of the equipment. Now I loosely put all the drain plugs and caps back in. And now I start blowing out the pipes because now all my equipment's gone. OK, I think one of the biggest misnomers that does happen, unfortunately, is, you know, and it's, you know, the guys have so many to do in a day and they're just rushing or whatever that might look like. But, you know, you set up, you start blowing out. You still got a 300 pound sand tank that's got water in it. Right. And you think, you know, you see some air that's coming out in the, at the pool and you're putting a plug in and maybe you got most of the water out of the line, but you didn't get all the water out of the filter. Right. And that water, uh, it, it will at times get caught. Uh, sometimes you're pushing that water back through the pipe. Um, so that would be something that I would I would recommend. It's an extra step. You take everything out, drain it all. Uh, once it's all done, put all the plugs back in again and you know, when I'm done and everything's plugged at the pool, then I go backwards. You know, I'll take the drain plugs out of the filter, out of the heater, right? Because, or the coronator, then the heater, you know, then back through the filter and then the pump and then everything, of course, goes in the basket. But um, extra step, but I, I do think evacuating the equipment of the water first before you're blowing out is, uh, is a good practice. No, I agree. And, and you brought up a great point, you know, in, in deep hard freeze markets, you know, up in the Northeast and the Midwest, where we have prolonged periods of time where it's below freezing. The concern is, and the ultimate nightmare would be a cracked pipe well below the surface. And, and, you know, you just, you just don't know where the damage is and it takes, you know, there's some, some elaborate uh, measures that need to be taken to identify where the problem is, if that occurs, obviously. So you want to avoid it as, as best you can. And, and I think an ounce of prevention to your point, Chaz, goes a long way there. It's like, just because, you've blown out a portion of the pool or a portion of the plumbing and it appears to be spitting, you know, very little water and mostly air, that does not mean you've evacuated all the, all the water. Right. So, so patience pays off and consistency pays off. You know, this isn't a, a, a kind of a turn and burn type of job on most in-ground pools. Um, I, I would tell you that yeah, you know, a lot of times with the equipment, right. Just think of, you know, where the plumbing or the pool equipment is, Right. And then where the where the pipes are coming from the pool, you know, all that stuff is coming underground is usually, you know, maybe 18 inches to two foot underground. But then there's all 90s that come up. Right. So if there's going to be a freeze, a lot of times you could blow everything back, but you don't necessarily know that all the water in the pipe. OK, whether it's, you know, depending on how it's pitched. Right. You could leave, you know, a little bit of water in the pipe. But when the blower's off, that water goes back and collects. All it needs to do is fill one elbow. So think of one inch and a half or one two inch elbow. It doesn't need all that much water to be sitting in there. And if that freeze did get down enough, it could freeze and crack just that elbow. It's not going to crack the whole line, but it could just be at the elbow that's right down at the equipment. That actually would be an easy, that would be an easy repair to fix, right? If, right. if that's all that it was, but, you know, just understand it's the same thing. You know, a lot of times when think of the plumbing, uh, you know, you have a looped plumbing, 
you know, where it actually goes down back up again into the heater. Well, you know, any water that collects, you know, it's going to lay in that pipe and, and, and that pipe's going to go. I see it a lot of times we have a, uh, there's a builder around us, um, I guess, well, a national builder, uh, Sylvan, for years, they did a uh, what's called a pool drain return. So they plumbed in the main drain line as a return line as well. So there's a pipe that just connected right from a from a jandy valve on the return side to a jandy valve on the suction side. And you could use the main drain as either a suction or you could use it as a return. But there were T's on both lines that connected them. Obviously, you, you want to either use it as a return or use it as a suction. Can't use them both together. But I can't tell you how many times I've seen that pipe that connects both. Right. Just absolutely shattered. Right. right. Because it because it's a place where the water is going to get trapped or stuck if you don't blow out both sides. of it. Um, and that's just something simple. But that's a looped piece of plumbing that, that definitely needs to be evacuated. Yeah. Understanding exactly the nuances of every particular pool too, and looking at it from a, you know, from a, from an individual perspective, I think goes a long way. Don't assume anything, give it a good thorough uh, overview, you know, out there. If you're, if you're coming into a backyard with a pool, especially if you're not familiar with that particular, if it's a new client, um, you know, perfect segue let's talk a little bit about what happened in Dallas. So just, just from an industry perspective, you know, I mean, it, the, the, the ripples of this affected everybody in the industry because we were already constrained because of COVID and the, the ripple effect it's had on production and materials and transportation and you name it. It's all the stuff we're chewing on daily now, but with that ice storm and the power outage that occurred, in uh, especially in North Texas, North Central Texas, I mean, we had in some of the biggest pool markets in the country, very population dense with high, high ratios of pool ownership there. We had in some markets, 80, 85 percent of pools that that had significant damages. And just talking to some folks that that industry partners and industry folks down there, you know, one of the quotes that I that that I heard was, you know, if it was plastic, it broke. I mean, that was basically what happened. And these pools are not equipped and not um, maintained in a way that that to protect them from a freeze. And a freeze occurred, you know. So um, it was a really interesting phenomenon. But the ripple effect was was just unbelievable, you know. Service was disrupted because anybody who was cleaning pools was then taken off, and they were fixing pools. You know, a lot of folks didn't even open their pool because they knew it was damaged. And they went and said, it might not be till August until we can get the part you need to fix it. So pools didn't get open or people went and they were able to get a part and they opened much sooner. So it was just interesting to see the effect that that happened from this abnormal freeze that occurred in an area that, that typically doesn't see those temperatures. Uh, but again, it's reinforcing the fact that if you are out there as your company, as your service, and you're providing a winterization um, service, that it needs to be done correctly because the damage can be unbelievably bad. And this isn't a fear mongering speech here. It just we've seen it, and it was it was quite the phenomenon in Texas. I will tell you, Chris. Even here, knowing that we open and close pools, uh, <laughs> going through the seasonality of it, I remember a period of time in, in closing somebody's pool, and this was probably 
boy, it might've been 15 years ago, probably 20 years ago, who knows, but I just remember going out and having trouble blowing out a pool and it's mid November, right? It's second, third week of November for us. It's cold, but I mean, we're not in the freezing temperatures yet, but sure enough, I couldn't, I thought something was wrong with my blower and I took the lid off a multiport valve and it had already froze. Right. And that's crazy talk for us in South Jersey for us to have water in a multiport valve. Okay. That was frozen where I couldn't pass. I couldn't pass air through it. Right. That's so it can come up quick. I mean, certainly when we get to Christmas, I mean, I can tell you all kinds of stories of closing pools right before Christmas that, you know, people shut things off waiting for a pool cover. And, you know, I'm like, all right, well, you can't go to work. You need to start boiling water so that I can (laughs) cut the pipes and try and and take and and literally taking boiling water and running it on the pipes to loosen it up enough and, and taking out like logs of two inch ice that, that went down, almost got to that 90. Right. So what one thing understand that the ice uh, you're not going to freeze and break anything as long as it's got somewhere to go. Okay. But as soon as it doesn't have anywhere to go, that's where the break is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So, and and I literally was taking out 12 and 16 inch logs of ice that went down and just a matter of pouring boiling water over top of them. And then you you literally just kind of poke at them. And then when they come up, you got to try and grab them and take them out so that you can blow things out. She had a sheer descent. It was a train wreck, but you know, that's the kind of stuff that, uh, you know, that normally happens when they wait too long for sure. So you're saying that perfectly smooth, Charge <laughs> of ice are, gra- are hard to grab a hold of with so your bare very hands much in so. December. <laughs> very, very, very much so. Yeah, I, I think that's that's one thing that I want to actually I, I, to repeat here is like the the ice, the water when it freezes, as long as it does have some place to go, you should be okay. But unfortunately, as soon as it hits these walls, a dead end, it's going somewhere, and that well, means it- it's going through a pipe a weak spot on a pipe. It will find the weak spot by nature, physics take over, and it is going to rapidly expand said pipe. I saw it written somewhere, water always wins. Like whether you're a rock or a mountain or a PVC, if water wants to go, it is going to go. And and there's no going right through it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think truer words have never been spoken. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's in a, you know, especially if it's in a solid state, you know, I mean, ice is, is a devis can be a devastating thing. And again, it, it expands and it, and it moves and it's it's a fluid that becomes rigid. And and if there's no place for it to go, we're going to have problems. Um, and it's interesting, you know, to Chaz's point about November and knowing what we've seen here in the Northeast. And, and I imagine it's true across a lot of the northern United States. Uh, it's what you saw in Texas. We we used to our, our our winters have definitely evolved over the last three decades, and uh, we get as cold as we've gotten, but we get these temperature fluctuations. And and I'd say the dead of winter is normally hasn't been as cold, but it doesn't have to be fifteen degrees for three weeks for you to get damage because of of an issue. It can be an overnight freeze, just like you saw. You know, it can be a hard freeze cold snap that can blow out blow out a pipe in thank, on Thanksgiving. It doesn't have to just be, oh, it do, it's not going to be that cold for a long enough period of time. So, and, and I try and tell people that, you know, you, you do have time and you try not to scare them into it, but at the same time, still water is going to freeze. You know, when you're moving the water, if you're running the system, right, you're not going to have trouble, but where you have trouble is when the system's off. Um, and when the system's off, you have 
you know, I don't care whose heater you have, you have a metal heat exchanger. Okay. So when you have a metal heat exchanger that has water in it, that is a conductor that's going to freeze quickly. Right. So that's, you know, those are the kinds of things that you're, you're going to have a heat exchanger blow out because you have freeze damage that's going to freeze before the dozen, the pipes, um, you know, now with the, you know, with a lot of these control systems, uh, you know, they all have freeze protection. So we're setting freeze protection. They have air temp sensors, right? So, and one of the things that, that, is a nuisance at times is, is, you know, when we get into the early parts of November and people are calling because they're waking up in the morning and we have these, these, you know, these freeze protections set for 38 degrees, they wake up in the morning, their blowers on, their spa jets are on, their shear sets are on and, and everything's running, right? Well, everything's running because it won't freeze that way. Okay. Right. But then I got to try and explain to the people I'm like, well, you still have plenty of time because, you know, your water temperature is still 47 or eight degrees. Right. But this is a fail safe. If you want, I can, you know, I can raise that temperature up a bit, but that is something that's, uh, that is out there that that's helping. Yeah. And typically that's going off of air temperature, correct? It is. Yep. Yep. So, which is, again, you know, we've talked about this on other episodes too, but it's really cool to also see in this industry, for so long, the evolution of technology was, for the most part, if you look at the big picture, it was pretty stagnant. And now with, with the introduction and, and adaptation of all of the, uh, the, the new smart systems that are in play with variable speed pumps and the controllers and everything's you know, app-based through control to the phone, much like uh, you know, the, the, it's just evolving as the modern house is. It's so neat to see these these automatic systems that are installed and in play and available now on on this because it's it's really taking the guesswork out of it. You know, we talked about Rob. We were laughing about this, but um, Rob was talking about how as a kid, his, his, one of his jobs was running back to the overgrown weed patch to go physically click on a heater, you know, to flip on and start up a heater if they were servicing a pool or something and. And, uh, you know, now you do it with the touch of a button on your, on your, on your phone, you know, if you even have to, you know, if you've got it, you know, typically you don't even have to do that, you know, it's all automated for you. So it's, it's, it's cool to see that the designers and the equipment companies are also dramatically evolving the technology out there to help overcome these, these, uh, negative effects. So Chaz, as, as we are evolving this conversation, I want to really, really dig into your evolution of the whole concept of winterization and and how you have kind of come up with or created your own method and and how it, it varies from the traditional hard shutdown of a swimming pool and, and kind of your, your whole, uh, philosophy behind this new approach that you have. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to you and just kind of walk us and the listeners through the this new evolved kind of philosophy you have about winterizing a swimming pool. So I, I don't know if it's new or evolved. I just know uh, we're probably doing some things, trying to do some things differently. Okay. We're, we're, uh, so we are a service company uh, that I oversee. We're a pool builder where we build vinyl liner and concrete pools, and we're also an applicator, right? So we do all of our own coping tile and plaster work. So uh, it, 
it's unique to have all of those angles. So what we talked about previous with the task force and, and pointing the finger at everybody, here we are with our own company, still pointing the finger, right? It's like, well, it's because you, you did that, right? So, you know, when you open a swimming pool and there's, you know, and there's scale uh, on a pool, right? And it's a rough surface, you know, you know, it's just, you know, for us, you know, it's, there's nowhere to point a finger, right? It's, it's Bud's pools, this happened. And so we want to eliminate that. And, and one of the things that, uh, that we want to do uh, is, you know, one, we will try, uh, but it doesn't always work, is we'd love to just hold off on plastering that pool until the springtime. But some customers want it done, right? And so, you know, the later and later you plaster a swimming pool, um, you know, the 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 less the, the plaster is hydrated, right? So, you know, and everybody's like, oh, you got to keep it open at least two weeks, at least four weeks. And it's like, well, we all know the longer you can keep it open, the better, right? So, so we definitely keep them open for as long as we can. Uh, and I would even go as far as saying, and I've told people all the time, like, oh, get ready to close the pool. I'm like, no, you plastered this year. You're not closing for another six or eight weeks, right? So, so we're really, um, I really push to let people know, I really want you to stay open longer. And we'll go to the fact that, you know, when we did, I did renovation sales for the longest time. And I just told people, I'm like, listen, I said, when do you normally close the pool? I'm like, oh, we close right after Labor Day. I'm like, all right, that's great. We're going to do a little differently this year. What we're going to do is we're going to put the cover on your pool right after Labor Day. Okay. And then they're like, oh, I'm like, and now the pool's done as far as you're concerned. Okay. But what we're going to do is, okay, we're going to expect you to run the pool for 24 hours, bring us a water sample, and then I want you to balance it at the beginning of October. Okay. So rebalance your water. And then we have them do the same thing, rebalance your water at the very beginning of November. And then, you know, then we can close the pool. Okay. Sometime at the end of November, early December before it's trouble. Now, what I've just done is I just gained three months. Okay. Of being able to balance a pool much longer. So we have three months of hydration of this water. And now I'm also balancing the water. And I know you're going to appreciate this, Chris, but we're balancing it closer to the saturation index of where it's going to be all winter. Right. right. So, so, and I think that's real. And, and I think where a lot of the problems are happening is, you know, you close a pool. We talked earlier, right? I, I closed, we started closing pools a month ago. Okay. I certainly would not want to close a pool that we plastered in 2021 a month ago, but you know, you can't tell people to keep their pool open, but you know, that happens. But if I've stretched that out, okay. And now we've rebalanced the water. You close a pool at 80 degrees. Okay. Three or four months later, the pool's 40 degrees. The, the index has changed drastically, right? And that pool is now corrosive, okay? So you're like, well, if it's corrosive, how's it getting scaled? Well, because now it's going over the wintertime from that corrosive state to as the pool warms up, guess mm-hmm. what's happening? Now we're getting into that scaling state. Now that's going to deposit onto the wall. So um, I think closing it late, um, as late as we can for a freshly plastered pool, and then opening as early as we can. Um, and normally people may not open until, you know, for us, we start opening pools heavy mid-April, but telling people, hey, listen, let's open in mid-May, let's open up mid-March, right? Let's open it up, get everything running, maybe early, but at the same time, you know, now they've been closed for, you know, three to four months as opposed to being closed to six or seven months. Okay. Right. And now what we're doing is we're, we're catching the water balanced when we closed, and then we're catching it much closer to balance uh, or much less into that you know, scaling state if we open it up earlier. So there's, there's, that is a, is a big thing that, that we try to do with all of our new pools and new plaster pools. No. And, and I, I, I agree with that. I agree a hundred percent. And and not only do I talk it, I walked it when I first, um, when I, when I built my pool, uh, I had the finish applied um, uh, late May and that season I kept it open 
probably a little too long for the winter conditions because I did have a little bit of an issue with a valve freezing, but that's a different, <laughs> that's a different, that's a different podcast. But uh, no, I kept it going um, almost, it was mid-December. It was, uh, it, it was up and running and, and the 100%, the, the justification of that decision was to allow that finish to cure and, the, and to hydrate properly. And I have had zero issues with the finish ever since and it's pristine. So well, I, I, I think a little bit, again, a little bit of, of uh, discipline and a little bit of, of foresight and, and, and awareness goes a long way to really help set up these new finishes. And we don't want to rush a close, you know, especially if it's been uh, applied later in the season. Well, I want to, I want to just, say this much you know Chaz listening to what how you describe how you close the pool and the care that you put into a new finish and extending the 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 time that it uh from from its application to to the closing I think that's really really important those are steps that um I'm really glad that your company's taking I, I would love to see other uh, builders and service companies that that are t- managing these pools take the same similar steps because, you know, I, I understand that homeowners would have you, they want to have their pool closed. They, they've, they've got this, this mindset well, pulls off and it's, that's it. It's done. Um, extending the life of that. And it's one of the things when, when, when I'm trying to set an expectation with the, with a customer and what to expect, how long to, for your pH, your alkalinity to be so high uh, in the duration, it's, it could be in 90 to 120 days. A lot of times that extends right in through the, into the winter time. And now that that pool is sitting dormant with a high pH coming off the wall, and what? Well, how do you combat that? Most most folks are not doing anything about it. They're just they're, they may have a little bit of a winter maintenance that they go in and check the water levels, maybe uh, check the pour some chlorine into it, try to keep it clear uh, three four times a month. And when the thing freezes over, you got four inches, five inches of ice, depending where you are. You're not doing anything with it. You're going, yeah, okay, it's frozen and walking off. So I, I applaud that that that's that. Uh, process that you have and especially wake uh, opening pools up earlier in the spring uh how many of you guys that, that do service you open it up in in march april it's crystal clear there's no issue with that at all it really doesn't doesn't start turning until the sun hits it and and you get to a certain temperature over 50 60 degrees and that's when things start going uh getting a little more difficult with clearing a swimming pool so uh these are great steps or great ideas for our listeners and for our service companies that have new service and builders that have new finishes to take. I think really, really listen hard and true to what, uh, what uh, Chaz is talking about. Yeah. Chaz, what resonates with me for our group anyway, is it's kind of like we with startup. We want it to be slow played and do it the right way. And this is kind of the same thing, right? The plaster's new. Let, let's, let's play this out as long as we can. So we have more success. And, you know, I, I, you know, it was a necessity for you guys. Cause like you said, your fingers can only point back to you. You're kind of doing the whole, the whole process. So, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's what I, you know, you have to, you're the only guy that they're going to talk to. You plastered it, you're servicing it, you're doing all that. So you've created this scenario that's, that's bettering your situation. And then I think that's what's exciting, you know, really exciting is that people can at our conference, you're going to be giving this clash and sharing what you do. And I hope that our people are hearing this and, and will come and, and listen to it and, and, and maybe take notice. So I love to hear it. It's great stuff. Well, I know I'm going to pass that advice along because I, I learned a lot sitting here and I've known Chaz and listened to him talk and talk and talk many over the years. And it just, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think the takeaway on that is, and I think we can all agree on this is, is that when you have, you know, standing water, I don't want to say stagnant, but non-moving water, it, it's the, the longer you have that in a vessel, the more likely it is to have some sort of effect on the vessel itself. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And it's a completely different beast when the water is running and you can manipulate and balance and, and, and tweak, you know, the, the, the chemistry of the water, because essentially, yes, I mean, there, there's a lot of arguments and there's people that can say, well, I do this, I do that to a pool that that's standing that to a still body of water. The bottom line is when water gets cold and density and everything else that occurs, if you add some thing to it, it's not going to mix. Like it, everything gets really slow and really still in a cold body of water and it gets very dense. And so things just sit and they, and they stay still. So they don't mix and, and it's, and you really can't effectively balance a body of water if it isn't up and running. It's just too inconsistent. And, so it, and I'll touch on a couple of things and I know we're wrapping sure. things up, but you know, yep. some of the things that, that I, that I want to talk about that, that hopefully we'll be able to get to, uh, you know, at the class in Atlanta. Um, you know, there's a couple of things we didn't touch on that are a little bit controversial, right? How do you balance the water um, at the closing? Okay. I, for one, am, am in your class there, Chris, I, I don't think you can balance the water effectively when you're going to close the pool. I just don't think that that works, right? So we kind of put it on the customer to have them come in bring us a water sample, get the water balanced prior to us coming out to close the pool. I know there are people that will set up a three-inch trash pump. Uh, they'll test the water. They're going to add chemicals, mix it through the trash pump and and circulate it around for the, you know, the hour that they're there, you know, blowing out the lines, cleaning the filter. And then at that point, taking the hose out and, you know, and taking the water level down to the bottom of the tile or whatever it is. But, you know, I just think that that's something that needs to be done prior to the closing. The other thing I just touched on is, is where's the water level go with the closing? Right. There's a lot of controversy in that with mesh covers, people taking the water level down 18 inches. I don't think you need to go far away from what the NPC has is that all plaster surfaces are supposed to be underwater all the time. So that means winterization as well. Okay. That's a problem. Okay. It's a problem for a lot of companies. Okay. That take the water level down 18 inches. They'll take it below the returns. I get it. You take the water level down below the returns. There's not going to be a huge liability of having anybody blow out pool lines. Okay. There's no, there's not, there's not the weight of 18 inches of water. Do you understand that you got to try and force the air out through? Okay. That water's draining out. You blow the lines, you plug them, you're done. And then you throw a mesh cover on there. It'll fill up over the wintertime. It's no problem. No big deal. It's just not what's good for the plaster. It's not good for the plaster. You can see it. You can see the, you want to call that chain. You can see the plaster. Winter drain. line. You see the winter line all day long. You know, we, I mean, you can't be more specific that you can't shut the water off as the pool's filling, right? Or you're going to see a water line. Okay, but it's okay for you to take 18 inches of water out of the pool and let it sit for eight months. And yeah. that's not going to have an effect. So, but that's just a soapbox that I would get on. There's lots of different ways to talk about it. There's people don't have trouble, but you know, it all goes back to setting the expectation for that customer. And, and I tell them like, listen, you know, you're spending a lot of money to have us splash through the pool, right? If you can't work outside the box, at least in the first season, when the majority of that pool, and that's through closing, through opening, you know, it's going to happen. I'm telling you, you're going to open the swimming pool up and the pH is going to be through the roof. If you don't do something to combat that, you're going to have scale, right? So you, you have to let them know. And, and you just got to be upfront and say, yeah, no, this isn't what we're going to do. If you want to do that, that's fine. Understand you're going to open up and it's going to be a mess. 
So definitely some things to talk about that way. And, uh, you know, there's, and there's, you know, open to all different suggestions and ideas. One of the things that we're, that we're tinkering with and, uh, you know, probably shouldn't even mention it, but, you know, we're talking about throwing a robotic cleaner underneath of a cover. Okay. Chris, you talked about balancing the water. Okay. Mm -hmm. Throw a robotic cleaner underneath of the cover. You know, I run that thing on a cycle. That's going to move a good bit of water around. Do you understand? Absolutely. You run it for two or three cycles. I bet you I can move that chemical. I'm not going to have it sitting on the bottom. I can probably do something over the winter before we get ice, right, to, to balance the water and maybe run. You know, maybe that's something that we can. I know we're going to do in a couple of different pools. I'm not probably speaking out of turn, but, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to try it this year and see what that looks like on some of our newer plaster pools to, to throw a, an actual robotic cleaner under and, and let that run. And, and let's try and test water, uh, you know, test water in the wintertime that way. Yep. You know, I, I agree with, with some of the turnover rates and, and the volume that some of these newer, especially the newer robotic cleaners are, are, are capable of doing now. I think that's a great idea. I'm really interested to see how that how that pans out for you because I would imagine you'd see very positive results from that, especially you know, especially con considering that it's it's set up to succeed. You know, you've got enough. You know, you, if you have a sun deck that's completely drained below the water's drained below it, you probably can get into some trouble. So use common sense, folks. <laughs> yep. it's there, it's there. So, so wrapping up here, I just want to say if you even if you don't close pools and you just want to learn and have a better understanding how to set up and, and, and really protect these new surfaces as well as prolong existing surfaces and, and winterize your pool in the best way possible in your customers' pools, um, or just understand what really occurs during a winterization process when that water does sit still and, and, and goes through such extreme uh, temperature fluctuations. Come and take Chaz's classes. It's a great, great uh, uh, what are they? 90 minutes typically, or what's the curriculum? I don't know what it is yet in Atlanta, but I mean, I've taught classes all day long, so they're going to give me a window and tell me what to teach on. And, and I'll probably hit that for about 10 minutes and then open it up for discussion. <laughs> That's how I feel the classes go best. <laughs> so, so if you've got an hour or a day, go and spend it. One of the shows let me know, jazz. let me know what the time frame is and I'm there. And I, and as Robbie can say, I'll talk all day long. <laughs> If now, if any of the listeners, if any of the listeners want to reach out at all, are there any uh, contact points to get some information about winterization and or you know finishes in cold in cold temperature? You or was that for me? Well, um, I think that there's probably information on both of our organizations' websites would probably be a great spot. Um, we have information about the winter effects task force and. and yes. In and, in and among all of that is information about winterization. Um, I'll, I'll add to that that we're talking about um, Chaz and his winterization program at, in, uh, at the MPC's conference in Atlanta or just outside of Atlanta. Um, our own Rob Romano is also teaching a startup class, uh, NPC's start. Oh, no, I'm sorry, also teaching a plastering class um, uh, at the pool and spa show in Atlantic city. And we are offering the MPC startup class as well. So both, both events have great opportunities. If this is a topic that is, and, and Chris brings up a great point. If you're a professional in the industry, it's not, it's, it's great to go and dig deep into the thing you are immediately doing every day. But if you fancy yourself a pool professional, you're a builder, you're a service company that um, manages a large area or a lot of different types of projects. 
sometimes learning a lot about what other people are doing shoulder to shoulder you in the industry can make you better at what you do, um, improve your customer relations and things like that. So even if you're not the person putting the plugs in the wall, um, you can probably benefit a lot by, by sitting through Chaz's class. Um, I guess you could benefit by sitting through Robbie's class. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, but no, but, but, but so, so both on our website, on NPC's website, I know you have yep. information about winterization and about startup. Uh, and then obviously these in-person programs are great too, because there you don't just get to have the information conveyed to you, but as you know, Chaz is pretty, pretty, pretty clear. It's a great way to run a class. He, he is going to honestly tell you what they do that works and what they find interesting and try. And he genuinely wants to hear what everybody else is doing because that's the collaboration and that's the way that we we learn. You're trying something. I'm trying something. How to go for you? How to go for me? And maybe we come up with something that's better for everybody. So, Absolutely. that Guys, that was very excellent. Chaz, thank you for taking us to the new depths. Thank you. Right? <laughs> and uh, what we're going to do with that is go right into a smooth finish. Guys, thank you so much. Remember, mpconline.org and for Nespa, nespapool.org. All right. See you guys soon. We'll see you in Atlanta and Atlantic City. All right. <laughs> right. See you guys. Bye-bye.